This is the Coast and Country download from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today, you can hear Open Country with Jules Hudson. We've come off the road at Hapsford and what is a fairly anonymous lay-by. You walk down a footpath, just following the course of the stream, and you can see there's a mill leet over there, but then you see a hollow in the ground which actually is the first evidence of the Dorset and Somerset Canal, because this is where they dug stone and clay out of the hillside. Let's walk down and have a look. Is it all going to be revealed, Derek? It will all be revealed. Now, I'm joined by Derek Hunt, who's my guide for this first part of my expedition, into the unknown, relatively speaking, history of this part of Somerset. Derek, you're from the Dorset and Somerset Canal Society. What are you going to show me? We're going to show you one of the jewels in the crown of the Dorset and Somerset Canal. The Dorset and Somerset Canal started in 1796. The project was unfinished, but nevertheless they built some interesting structures, a couple of aqueducts, some tunnels, a boat lift. And we're walking down here now to go and have a look at one of the aqueducts. This is Mertry Aqueduct. Many people come here to explore. In fact, the story really, for me, starts with that that very way of um, finding out. I moved to the area back in 1986 and uh, I started looking at ordnance survey maps. We had a dog, I read various walking books and in it I saw mention of an unfinished canal, the Dorset and Somerset Canal. So you came out in search of it all those years ago? Absolutely. And I was enjoying the walking, it was a new phase of my life, it was part of my recovery at that point. What were you recovering from, Derek? I'd ended up uh, addicted to alcohol, I didn't realise it, everybody else did. Yeah. So part of my recovery was uh, to spend no time in the pubs and go out and do something a little bit more interesting, which also had a community aspect to it. My behaviour doesn't change that much, I tend to get over-involved now. So you first walked along the path we're on now, I suppose nearly 20 years ago. Over 20 years ago. It's 1986. Yeah. Yes. What I love about industrial archaeology is that it's so tangible. A lot of archaeology, and I say this as an archaeologist, does require the eye of faith in some respects, but the nice thing about industrial archaeology and our industrial heritage is that you you can see it, you can touch it, you can understand it. Really, I suppose, for me... It was the discovery of local history which was the key because I found I could relate to that. We are walking through a huge amount of overgrown brambles. Derek's fighting his way through here. (laughs) There we are. Oh, that's extraordinary. So you came out looking for a canal and then you were greeted by this enormous breastwork of, of lovely work stone ahead of us stretching right across from left to right and it's what, about eight, nine foot high? Can we just go over toward the river? Because I can just see it spanning the river itself. When we first cleared this, we uh, had a uh, historic buildings surveyor come along. And he said to me, this is Ashlar Stone, of course. And uh, he said, if you put this in Prior Park in Bath, it would not look out of place. It's beautiful, isn't it? We do need to crunch through the vegetation a bit and Come go on. and have a closer Let's have look. A crunch. Yeah, well, this is great. What a I'll lovely way to I'll start the some, day. Yeah, I'll make some noise. You can follow me. <laughs> if you want to come in, I'll show you something. Mind your head. So this is the other end of the, the footway. And what I want you to do is to look up inside there. You're looking for a mason's mark. Well, oh, you the can wall. hear that. You can hear it, can't you? Yeah. Oh, there. Right. 
It's an upside down A. Yeah. Oh, and there's a lovely it? cross there. Yes, you've got it. That's the one I want to show you. It's like a Maltese cross. Yes. Oh, here we are. Look. T yes. and D. Cross 17. D. 1798. Okay. That's lovely, isn't it? Proof, if it were needed, of when it was built. 1798. And, and I'm surprised, in a way, that there isn't more graffiti in here, actually, over the years. But um, let's pop out, then, and have a look at the other side of the accident itself. Now, looking at this, you'd be hard-pressed to know we were on top of an aqueduct if we hadn't already seen it from down below. But I can just see the parapet, the coping stones here to my left. We're looking over it now, down onto the river, and then ahead of us, this mass of brambles. If you look along the contour there, see the canal is actually turning to the left away from us. Now, the Dorset and Somerset Canal, I'd never heard of it. And I suppose that really goes to the heart of, of what went wrong. It, it, it never worked, but just outline for us briefly. Derek, its purpose and its length and what it was designed to do. The whole purpose of the canal was to bring coal from the southern part of the Somerset coal field out to Froome and out onto the Kennet and Avon and then on to Wiltshire. That was the main purpose. But the southern part was to bring clay from Dorset up to the Midlands because Wedgwood was crying out for clay for his uh, potteries there. And of course, what we do know is that um, Josiah Wedgwood, together with uh, other people, got together to build the Trenton Mersey. Well, he was one of the great pioneers, wasn't he, of, of canal building? And you can see why. I mean, poor chap was packing up his beautiful pottery, sending it off to Liverpool, the emerging port. It's all going off to America, and it's arriving in bits because the roads are so bad. Yes. It's so you can see for him there was a, a clear financial and practical imperative in creating a canal. And that one famously worked but this one doesn't why not they ran out of money they couldn't do estimates properly the art of civil engineering as we would call it today is not as refined as it is today so the whole financial structure was shaky right from the start but there is another factor on the money side that we mustn't escape the napoleonic wars mm. now that brought about rapid inflation so what was a pound in 1790 by the time it came to 1800, inflation was so rampant, it's very difficult to do the calculations. But 10, 20 times would have been the different value. So the 58,600 that was collected was more destroyed by inflation as men as any other factor. There's also another aspect that we have to look at in terms of the Dorset and Somerset Canal and why it failed. We have to say that the... £58,000 that was raised was dissipated very quickly when they were putting the Act of Parliament through the House of Lords. The people there dined very well and they did claim some quite good expenses. <laughs> so when I say... So that, a lot of it went in backhanders before the thing was even completed. Oh, not necessarily backhanders, <laughs> but I would say that... Greasing the palm. The claiming of expenses yep. happened in the 1790s. It is not a new phenomenon. I was going to say, nothing's changed, has it nothing really? Nothing changed. But when you look at this beautiful aqueduct, I mean, at least some money was spent on producing something, albeit with the heartbreak of it never actually functioning. Absolutely, and I think when you look at this aqueduct and we've just walked across and you see how wide it is, this is for a narrow boat of seven foot wide. It's, it's, but it's a, it's so a monster. It's, it's over-engineered yeah. for what it is, yeah. but a phenomenal structure. Is there's it, a lot more to see. But Well, yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say there's a lot more to see. This is a fantastic start, a very tantalising start. But come on, let's continue our journey through the landscape and find a bit more of this long-lost canal. Yes, that were a pub there. This one here? No, over here. Rosen Crown. 
Good Lord. That was a shop there. And you've got your hair cut next door. So you were born here? Robin? Yes. In there. This lovely white cottage? That was a village shop. Was it? Oh, you can see by the size of the windows, <laughs> can't you? <laughs> yes. Not anymore, though. And my yeah. grandparents lived next door. My goodness me. Yes. So you're a Colford boy through and through. Yes. That's why you speak the language. <laughs> I'll try and put up my best Oxford accent if you... <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's, let's, have, let's have you in all your, your glory. Well, I've come down to the village of Colford in the wonderful company of Robin Thompson. Robin, this is a village that you know inside out. That's right. And walking through it, I mean, it's interesting, you know, how you're describing it. Yes, it's an old mining village. This is what you call through the Nettle Bridge Valley. And this little track that we're walking up here, off, off of the main drag, is taking us where exactly? It's taking us up to the Hucky Duck, which is an aqueduct. The locals wouldn't call it aqueduct because they couldn't speak it very well or spell it very well, so they <laughs> called it the Hucky Duck. That's why Colfer's the famous for, for the Hucky Duck. It's a very yeah. pretty little place, this. Yes. What are your memories of the canal? as a boy growing up. Well, it was it a great start, place to mess around? Yeah, we used to play, play in it, you know. And uh, if there were enough water in it in the winter time, in different places, we used to go skating on it, you know. You skated on it? Let's just step out of the way of this car yeah. here. So no, no thought for it being slightly dangerous then? Well, no. We were told not to go there. But what do you do? You go there, don't you? <laughs> so you're a bunch of little tearaways Turn then? Around here. This way. Crossing over here. Oh, into the high street? Yes. But how many generations have your family been in Colford for? Oh, they've been in since number 18, 1821. Really? So actually not long after the canal was well That's begun right. and then That's not right. finished. <laughs> wow, and here we are. Yes. God, that came upon us. We've just walked through a Leylandi hedge and here above us, you can probably hear in the change of my voice, is this enormous sprung arch. It must be, what, 40, 50 foot across? Uh, That's, That's where they quarried all the stone from here. They quarried a stone there, I'll show you it later on. So above it ran the canal? Yes, ran the canal. And back in the war years when we were kids, a gentleman that lived there, Mr Willis, he decided to put some beans in the, the soil, water up on there. And he had the best rag of beans he'd ever had in his life. Well, I, guess, I guess, well, I suppose the, the, the hucky duck, as it were, you know, kept in all the water, didn't it? Yeah. All the moisture in the soil. Yeah. Can we go through to the other side? Is oh, it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a public footpath through there. Okay, let's see what we can see on the other side because it's absolutely vast. If you can imagine a railway viaduct, that's the sort of scale we're talking about. But this was an aqueduct. And all the stone were quarried out the hillside here because it, it's firestone, see? All that's built out of firestone because we're close to it's always firestone on the top. That's, yeah. that, that's the geology. That's the, that's well, the yes, trace. that's in my experience. Yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> when, when I worked in the coal mines and we went over to North Somerset, in the, you know, working. Yeah. The chaps over there used to say, they're the bees, I'm from Hucky Duck country. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they wouldn't tell you what dresser we gave them, but still. <laughs> but, but it's something, clearly, that um, Colford is very proud of. Yes, oh, ah. Uh. Do you think, if, if the canal had worked, that we'd have been much more familiar with Somerset coal and the mining industry? Oh, yes, I think we would. Because we've had people move into this village and they didn't even know that there were coal down here. No. Till they've heard, you know, people talking about it. Well, I'll be honest with you, it was news to me. And I, and I know Somerset <laughs> reasonably well, but I, I, I'd never really come across the mining mm. heritage here. I remember when we were young chaps, miners were dying in their 40s yeah. through the miners' disease. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm used to where we just walk from now. They used to have to stop and use their inhaler. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, I enjoyed myself in the mines, but if I probably, if I'd have still worked there, I should have been here now, mm. you know. But there, when you're young and crazy and that, you earn good money, you keep working, don't you? You're still young and crazy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the birds heard it. They certainly did. You can hear the pheasants flying, can't you now? Amazing, isn't it? And the guns shooting over the hill. Now I'm in another part of the canal system here, again with Derek, but also now joined by Mike and Adrian, and we've just paused for a cup of tea, but in the process we've heard the hooter from the local quarry sounding to announce a detonation. And that's what we've just heard. And it's sent all the local bird life up into the air with a bit of a racket. We've got a probably a, a pheasant shoot going on in the far distance as well. It's all a bit edgy around here at the moment, isn't it, really? Lots of things are going bang. <laughs> we are in the middle of a private estate, and it's with permission of the, uh, the landowner here that, that we are here today. Now, Adrian, what's your passion and connection with all of this, then? I don't know. Um, I tend to just get drawn into these things. <laughs> oh, you know, he's um, an electromechanical engineer, so he's a very useful person to identify bits and pieces that we find... Every bit the landscape historian there you go, yes. Sporting a, fab- a fabulous moustache. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Mil- military history there. Yes, anyway. it, indeed it is. It's a lovely handlebar moustache. <laughs> yeah. Have you been surprised, Mike, at just how much of this ghost oh. canal, as it were, Ooh. is still around? Well, I'm not surprised that there was a lot about, but I never believed that we would uncover so much. Uh, that's what's so surprising. Um, In fact, Mike is to blame, or should we say responsible, for actually what we're going to go and see today. Well, I'm intrigued. Let's go and see what, uh, what else we've got to look at, gentlemen. Should we pack up and head off? Yeah, right. Now, Mike is leading us on the determined... Landscape sleuth, mate. <laughs> There's something rather kind of Sherlockian, if that's a word I can create about you now. Yeah, I haven't got me pipe today, I've got some fags. <laughs> but you've got the moustache, that's the thing. That's amazing, yeah. <laughs> We're approaching the change in level now. Can you see at the front here? There's a sudden drop. Now, I thought we were just going to casually wander into the bottom of this hole, but you're banging in a huge iron spike there. Ground anchor, Adrian. What are we, what are we up well, to? It's a bit slippery and steep, and uh, it's a lot safer if we just put a rope down. And uh, when we come to actually get down to the chambers, if you've got another one of these, you can actually get down in them. I'm just going to lower myself down on this rope. It's quite slippery, isn't it? You can see all the clay. That was clearly a key component of the architecture of these things. And here we are. It's an extraordinary scene. I mean, it looks a bit Mayan, doesn't it? There's a touch of the South American jungle Jungles, yeah. We've got these great big blocks. We've got all sorts of fauna and flora, you know, growing out the side of it. Creepers. It is. It's it's a bit bit mysterious, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Is it a touch of the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, I think so. The ball will be coming rolling down. (laughs) Yes, I can just imagine it from the top there. (laughs) So what is it then, apart from a big hole in the ground? This is the site of the Fussell's boat lift or balance lock. This is where the boats are changing level. What we're doing is we're bringing a boat laden with coal up to this point here. It would then go into a tank and be lowered down to the lower level and the other tank would come up. So it's a balance lock, one up, one down. Let's just go back to this this 
band Fussels. I'm, I'm interested to know a bit more about him and what he was producing. Right, He's well, going to start us off on that one, Adrian. Yeah, yeah right. right. Fussels ran an ironworks. When a canal is built, very often it's the transport aspect of the canal that benefits the local industry. Things like pottery, you can take it in a boat where it would break if you took it on horseback. Yep. Now, Fossil's interest was not there. Fossil's interest was actually in building the canals because he could supply, if he got things right, the ironmongery for a lifting device and gadgets. That, that's where Fossil's came in. And one of the things he invented was a chain... And as far as we know, it was the synchronising chain which made this lift possible. Convey, as it were, how significant this balance lock, for example, was at the time in the building of this canal. This technology was completely a new idea. I mean, it was cutting-edge stuff at the time, and a great deal of interest was expressed in it, even from people abroad. I mean, it came out, you know, Frenchmen particularly, of course. And we've not only got this one being tried out, this is one principle. On the Somerset Coal Canal, they had another completely different design, what is called a hydrostatic lock. So these were very experimental, and it's unfortunate that neither of these two were brought into full operation for other reasons which were out of their control with the war on for example uh, I think put paid to this one run out of money the other one where they had it in the wrong geological strata and so on and it wasn't until about what was it 20 years later when the uh, first balance lock actually was used in earnest I think it's on the uh, extra canal uh, that was on the Grand Western in 1832 yeah, designed by James Green yeah, but, right. but you've hit on something rather interesting there Mike I mean if we're tracing some of the high points mm-hmm. of late 18th century engineering right. and innovation right. and in the history of canals this scrubby hole which we're now looking into right. is one of the most important Examples yes, in yes. the country. Yes, this is the birthplace of the canal lift in this country and in the world, I would say. Yes, quite. I mean, it's the grandfather, the great, great, great grandfather, I suppose. I'm thinking of the Falkirk wheel right. up in Scotland, which yes. is, again, a, a boat lift, albeit in a different form, but the principles involved the are principles very The same, yeah. But who'd have thought when you first made that discovery with your lovely beaten up old trowel, trowel, yes, that you'd end up with a JCB digging out, what, 400 odd tons of. Spoiled. Uh, it's exactly, that's right. I mean, in some ways, we were overjoyed to find that there was something to remain. That was the first thing, but then there's, uh oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of earth here. No wonder you've worn the trowel out. It's about <laughs> yeah. time you put an off. That's right. <laughs> this is why it's called industrial archaeology. Yeah, well, we do it on an industrial we, we, scale. We have to be very industrious. Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay, well, this footpath takes us to. The Mel's River, but then it follows the line of the canal towpath. You can't always see where the line of the canal exactly is because some of it's been lost. But the beauty of this section is that it's, you know, fantastic because you can virtually walk the whole length of the southern towpath and see the land form and the ditches. And some parts of it still contain water. And it also runs along the southern end of the um, Edford Woods and Meadows Somerset Wildlife Trust Nature Reserve. Well, just outside Edford, the line of the canal is. A lot harder to spot, but it's made all the easier if you're joined by somebody who knows what they're looking for. Dr Stephanie Gresham, you're, shall we say, naturalist, environmentalist? Um, Ecologist. Ecologist, (laughs) there we are. So you know the line of the canal very well. You've lived here for many years. I mean, it's a wonderful story. The idea that, you know, this was the canal that never was. This elusive feature of the landscape that now reveals itself if you know where to look. Exactly, because, I mean, I think it's often it's only the landform that gives it away. 
like ditches or banks. This is an old section here, and this is the oh. southern towpath. So these are the bits that you often see, but you, you can't always follow it as clearly as this. The section of woodland we're going to go through, it sort of disappears. But this sort of dry ditch and banks is part of the old old canal route. Do you know, it's fascinating, isn't it? To our left here is this is scoop, is, is what the best way probably mm. to describe it. It's, what, 15 yards across. Uh, and, and the feature we were just walking across, to me, look for every bit like an old railway mm. embankment. But it, it, you're saying it is the towpath? Part of the old towpath, yeah, along the southern bank of the canal. So once again, it's just getting your eye in, isn't it, to it is, recognise, yeah, yeah. you know, what these features will look like 200 years after they were That's first right. built. Yeah. But here, I think the only thing that gives it away, you can see the rushes here, and the cutting sort of comes through here, but the rushes will mark out areas of damper yes. sort of habitat, and because obviously with the ditch, that tends to be sort of damper, and you know, bits will still hold water. Gosh, this path is getting a I little know. more treacherous. <laughs> it's overhung with moss-covered trees. It's very muddy, very slippery. And now we're coming down to this lovely little brook. Is this the Mells? This is the River Mells, yep. If we cross this bridge now, and you can begin to see some of the rubbish that's yeah. come down from the, the old works. Gosh, this is extraordinary. Um, so, There's a hole. Yeah, on our left here, the, the hill is rising up. It's strewn with rocks, trees, and huge lumps of reinforced concrete, shuttering. Looks like the remains of an old wheelbarrow or something yeah, up yeah, there. It's, it's come over from the edge there. I mean, the concrete works is sort of further back, but I think over the years, this has just all accumulated in the woodland here, and I think that's probably why, you know, you can't see the root of the canal in this section. I mean, some would say well. this is a, a mess that needs to be tidied mm, up, yeah. but... It's actually also telling part of the mm. historic narrative mm. of the industry of the area, isn't it? That's right. I mean, when you look at this sort of debris, and it is a mess. It is a mess, yes. But in a way, I'm, I don't know, maybe it's the industrial archaeologist in me that finds mm. it a rather sad picture. It's this sort of concrete graveyard of, mm. of, of ambition and business and enterprise that's now been left to rot here strewn mm. about this hillside mm. and you can see that the, the woodland floor is trying to reclaim it with the ivy and the ferns and mosses on some of the old concrete blocks there so like you say even though it's a mess it will still be yeah. habitat for wildlife and you can imagine i suppose some of the local reptiles will really enjoy this habitat mm. you know frogs newts and so forth it's damp yep. all year round yep. you know the woodland cover here mm. is, it clearly keeps the moisture mm. in throughout the seasons yeah. well as promised stephanie the canal has revealed itself in all its glory here. There is a lovely, great big cutting to our left. We're now on the towpath. The base of the canal is littered with golden autumn leaves, which give it a rather kind of magical mm. feel. There's something of the Tolkien about it, isn't there? Yeah, I think, I think this section is really beautiful. And on the old Oldham survey maps, this was shown as being conifer. And, that, you know, they're obviously not native to this area. No. So they would have been planted perhaps as landscaping for the canal. And these trees are beech. Yes. So it's possible that these were planted as well along the route of the canal. Because to me, when you walk through here, you've got beechwood following the line of the canal. And it isn't really anywhere else. It's not native beech wood. And these are very mature looking trees, aren't they? Yeah. But this is the towpath following right the way through here now for probably another sort of mile or so, I think. It's really clear, isn't it? And yeah. I can just see ahead of us, it gets even clearer, yeah. much more defined, mm -hmm. a genuine cutting. Yes. Do you look back on what might have been as a naturalist and think, an ecologist, and think it would have brought in a wider range of wildlife if it had survived and, and, and come into being? Oh, I think certainly, because there's one section before you get to Colford that you can see and it still contains water it's a wide section of canal and it's absolutely stunning and it's got lots of aquatic species in and you know yellow flag and rushes and bulrush and that just wouldn't be there 
if it wasn't for the, the, the canal. And you can imagine that if that had been completed, you would have a lot more of that kind of sort of habitat along this section. But if, you know, if we look at some of the canals that we've got, they are wonderful wildlife habitats. I wonder what the lads who toiled over building this stretch would make of it now. Yeah, interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, I suppose many of them will have learned at the time that the canal was never going to be a commercial or practical success. So they'd have, they'd have had to come to terms with all that effort being wasted. But to see it now, mm. the fruits of their labour still in existence, mm. albeit in, in this form, and now valued, mm. you know, for all sorts of different reasons, I'd hope that perhaps they'd think it's still been all worthwhile. Yes, I'd, I'd like to think so, because certainly for us, you know, as local people, um, you know, enjoying it, um, it's, it's fabulous.